The world as we know it has fundamentally changed. What was once considered the future of work is here now. We are operating in an all-digital, work-from-anywhere world. More and more consumers are supporting brands that align with their personal values. It's the values-driven firms that will rebound sooner and grow faster in this new world. Salesforce has partnered with Singapore Community Radio to bring you this podcast. We want to explore the opportunities and the challenges of this new world. We want to talk about the ways in which we will work going forward, how businesses can be a platform for change, and how technology will continue to impact the world. We have some amazing thought leaders, executives, and community advocates joining us, and we hope it sparks some inspiration and innovation for you. To learn more about us, you can head to our blog at salesforce.com slash ap slash blog. Hi, I'm Asha Puppetlal, and in this episode of Business is a Platform for Change, we have Teresa Go in the house. Now, Teresa is a champion swimmer. She's broken many records in her time. She's also the first female Paralympian who won a bronze medal at the Rio Paralympics in 2016. And uh, she's got a string of medals to her name. She could probably start her own medal shop. <laughs> and she's won Sports Girl of the Year Award a couple of years, Sports Woman of the Year Award. And she also sits in a wheelchair because I think you were born with a spinal injury when you were born. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I think she started swimming at five to gain upper body strength and then competitive swimming at 12. And the rest, as they say, is history. So first, Teresa, let's just get the elephant out of the room. <laughs> okay, so do people look beyond the wheelchair when they look at you? Um, I think it's going to be hard too because just... Because how visible it is, right? I think the first thing that they can see is the wheelchair. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't fault people for that, you know. I think it's uh, it's not about removing the wheelchair. It's not about not seeing the wheelchair. I think right now, I think it's more of acknowledging that it's there. Uh, don't erase it. <laughs> um, but what can you do to change so that the wheelchair doesn't... Uh, or, or rather the person in wheelchair is not uh, affected by the world. Because right now, I think physical environment or most of the world is still not really built for a person on wheelchair or people with certain impairments, right? Just because I think everything is built for an able-bodied person. Um, do people not know what to do when they see you? Um, I think sometimes they get a little bit awkward with uh, wanting to offer help or... Um, do you not, want help? Not all the time. I, I'm actually quite averse to people offering help, like to the point of, uh, like I was telling a friend that um, when I'm at the train station and uh, sometimes you see the train attendant run, like kind of almost runs to the lift to press it for me when I have no issue pressing <laughs> the lift on my own. And, and sometimes they just go that extra mile and the intention is good, right? Because they want to help. Yeah. But then what is behind that intention because they think that I can't do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the problem. That's where the problem lies is that when you see a person on a wheelchair or, or a disabled person, you automatically think that they cannot do anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the underlying issue that we have to acknowledge, you know? Um, don't just see that there's a wheelchair and then equate it to, I don't think they can do this. But doesn't it annoy you? I mean, you've gone... You've won so many, you've broken so many swimming records, you've won medals. 
uh, things that I mean, people like me can only dream of doing. You know, uh, you're way ahead of the game, ahead of so many others. Does it not in annoy you when people do that? Um, I think it's just different pathways. Mm. I'm sure there's so many things that you can do that I can't, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> um, and I think it's just about the opportunities that I've been given, and I I have taken those opportunities, and that has led me to where I am. You know, um, and I'm just um really grateful and lucky that I've been able to. Um, just kind of go through the doors that have been opened for me. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if it annoys me uh, so much because I think I maybe I'm Im- immune to it already. <laughs> um, but I, I, I do get sometimes annoyed when I think about the like the deeper effects or like when it's not just affecting me because I'm sure that if they see a person on a wheelchair, it doesn't matter what uh, achievements I have um, or whether they know me or not and what I have gotten um at, at this point in my life you know they just see a person who needs help mm. you know yeah. let, let me take you back to when you were younger when you were in school when you hadn't gotten all these achievements yet what was it like for you in school in school wow it's a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> um, you're not that old <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> um i i i think i was really shy um something that swimming has really done for me is Make me. It has made me a lot more confident, um, a lot more sh- self-assured, a lot more um, disciplined. Like all, all the good stuff, I think swimming has really done for me. Um, it has has uh, made me who I am, right? And and in school, it was uh, quite the opposite. Like I was, I was just starting to swim, just starting to, um, I guess, come out of my shell. Uh, I was really shy, really uh, figuring out my own sexuality, figuring out what it means to be a disabled person. Um, and But but still li- leading pretty uh, pretty good life, you know? Like, my friends were great. My friends were very helpful. Mm, the school was amazing. They, um, like, when we, talk, when we talk about changing the environment to fit the person, right? So, because the school was not a uh, lift, didn't have a lift, so they made sure, like, all five years of my class was on the... The classroom was always the same room. It was downstairs. Oh, nice. Yeah, and, and it's it's um, it's just a small, like, kind of uh, something that they could change. So they did, right? Um, because they knew that I couldn't access upstairs. Um, and so that made, me, made it a lot more com- comfortable for me. Um, a lot more comfortable, a lot more accessible... So it was just an ordinary school, right? Wasn't it like yeah, a retrofit? I mean, it's a mainstream school. I went to Dunman Secondary uh, in Tampines. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it was pretty ordinary school life. <laughs> you know, I was an tell average me, student. Me, <laughs> straight A's, no? No, no, no. <laughs> the only place I excelled was in the pool. <laughs> what was your best subject if it wasn't swimming? Um, well, I think mathematics, just because it's uh, a lot of practice. Right. Um, and and like all I had to do was just keep doing the same thing over and over again and then uh, understand. I guess that's, that is understanding to maths, right? But uh, it's still a lot of practice, a lot of repetition. And there's no like, uh, if, if if this is this, then it doesn't like change the, the equation. Mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, is that what you do in swimming as well? Do the same thing again and again? I it doesn't like, change the equation. I feel like it, it's, it's quite similar uh, in some ways. Like it, swimming is just about kind of consistency. You know, uh, I make sure that I do this often enough. And then there's, there's all the little things about... Uh, um, Think like being conscious when you're swimming about why you're doing this stroke, uh, and it's not really just about going through the motion. 
but there's things that kind of are parallel to mathematics, I guess. <laughs> um, it, it was my best subject, but it wasn't my favourite. I think my, my favourite was still English. Um, th- yeah. And swimming. It, was swimming. Swimming wasn't counted, I think. <laughs> was, swimming? Was, was swimming fun? Or was swimming Honestly, I didn't really love swimming uh, mm. until much later. Um, swimming to me was something that uh, came naturally to me. Uh, I started swimming when I was five, um, and that was really just uh, a family kind of event. Uh, everywhere you go in Singapore is a pool, right? <laughs> so it was, uh, it was. I can't swim, really? so <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to change that. <laughs> You'll but, have to teach me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so it, it, it's more like a family thing, and so we we it was natural to me. I really enjoy the water. Um, it's the one place that I really feel uh, a huge amount of freedom, just cause. Uh, I I, do, I don't often feel like that kind of freedom when I'm on land, um, so the pool was the one place that I really enjoyed being in. Um, but when it came to competitive swimming, it wasn't something I, I naturally loved. It was something that I was good at, but it wasn't something I chose. <laughs> Who chose competitive swimming for you? Um, I can't say my parents because I I, I guess I I did try different sports. You know when. Um, when I was 12, I was spotted by the Singapore Disability Sports Council volunteer. And um, I think he, he, he suggested to my dad to bring me to the upcoming swimming competition. Um, so I went, I did pretty well, and then I, I kind of joined a program. But I also tried a lot of different sports just because all I had been exposed to was swimming, right? So I went to try what I tried. I tried like wheelchair tennis, wheelchair racing, sailing, uh, horseback riding. Um, honestly, whatever I could try, I tried skydiving. I have I d- I've done that, but that was really? much later. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like you know, it's just whatever sport that was made available, I I went for it just because I wanted to know uh, know what was out there, right? right? So, um, in the end, swimming was still something that I I went to or went for because it was the most natural feeling for me, mm. Mm, and I I guess I had built some. Uh, history or some like some comfort level with it already. When did you fall in love with swimming? Oh, much much later. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I joined competitive when I was twelve. Uh, I only really really consciously chose swimming, probably after two thousand and eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Um, that was at least ten years after I joined. Ten years. Yeah, I think. What made you get up in the mornings for those 10 years before you fell in love with swimming? Um, my parents. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, a huge, huge factor to how I, I kept going for so long. Um, they, I mean, in everything you do, right, it, you kind of need that support system. Mm. And they, they are and were and are my support system in everything that I do. Um, it makes it easier to do things, basically, you know. So th- they know I have to go for training. So my dad, he used to get up early with me and send me to training, and then he would jog around the the, the complex. Wow. Um, so it was like exercise for me and exercise for him. <laughs> and mom, mom cooked. Uh, mom was <laughs> that's very important. Yes, nutrition. You know, I think mom, my mom is really really good at making healthy meals. Um, she she's also there to provide that emotional support um, that I need, you know. Um, and I think there's really nothing that helps more than knowing that your parents are there behind you always, you know. You make it sound very easy, but I'm sure there must have been very many tough days. <laughs> I mean, the tough times were, were when I was too tired to get up. <laughs> I, I really, like, if I look back on my life, like, it's not like I'm, I'm at the end of it, but like I, I think when I 
just kind of reflect now and look back. Life, my life has been really good to me. Like everybody has been good and kind, and um, has a, they have allowed me so many uh, open doors, opportunities. Like I've said, and I have little or nothing to complain about my life. You no know? closed doors. I don't feel like there were. Like if there were, I, I probably just wheeled past the door. Then <laughs> <laughs> um, I I don't. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like life has been good to me. Um, what was your schedule like, you know, when you were doing competitive training? Um, it was like thinking back now, I'm I'm actually surprised I did it. <laughs> um, I had to get up at five thirty, maybe five thirty, right. um, five five fifteen, five thirty, and then we have to leave and train at six wow. uh, to eight, and then at the at the most like hectic time, it was six to eight swim, um, and then there was nine. I think around nine there was gym. Um, and then there was a little bit of lunch, there's rest, and then I'm back to training at three. Um, Jeez. It, it sounds tough now, but I I don't know how I did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think it helps because I, I was doing nothing but swim. Um, For me, the hardest thing is getting up in the morning, that first is. five minutes. You know? If I, I go back to sleep, <laughs> that's the end of it. I, I, I can't... I, there's an article out there where I said the exact same thing. <laughs> 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 like um, that first... 10 seconds where I decide am I going to get up or not is is the like the the, the one that makes or breaks it. <laughs> if I if I go back to sleep I'm like um good night. <laughs> if I get up I'm like okay let's go for training. <laughs> what 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 is it that clicks in you that makes you get up after that for that first 10 seconds because that's the kind of discipline a lot of people don't have. Mm. I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> like what makes me want to get out? Yeah, that first um, crucial ten seconds that makes you say, "Okay, up and out of bed." So it's 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 just me kind of uh, thinking of if I don't get up now, later when I wake up at eleven, <laughs> am I gonna regret not getting up? Right. You know. So I think about, I jump like into the future almost, and I think, okay, I have ten seconds to get up. If I don't get up later at eleven, am I gonna hate myself for not getting up? You know. And then I'm like. Yes, so I got to get up. <laughs> Were there days when you just didn't get up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I believe that there's um, balance in everything, you know. If I really, really... I mean, it's also about knowing yourself, right? Like, what, what's your threshold? And how tired can you get before you burn out? You know, all these um, kind of uh, balance factors you got to think about. And you got to know yourself, right? Mm. So there are there were days for sure when I'm like, no, I really can't do this today. And then I will tell, I'll tell my coach that... Um, it's too much. I I need I need I need sleep. You know. Um, How many days were there like that? I don't know. Like I'm I'm not a perfect athlete. I I probably had more than I deserved. <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> but I think it was like I, I guess th- I I don't believe in regrets, right? Everything that's happened has led to today to me now. No regrets at all. No, no regrets at all. Like I have none. Um, and I don't. So if you look back on your what, your, what, thirty three years, no, no regrets. regrets at no, all. Yeah, that's damn good. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a, it's a mindset, right? I think I don't believe in regrets, or I don't believe that I should have regrets, or even if I do have regrets, I don't believe in on dwelling on it. So. If I if you ask me now, I really don't think I have any regrets. You know, I've made my decisions. I've made my choices. I've um, reached this point where I am really happy with the person I am, the life I have, and whatever failures or uh, downfalls I have had got to go through, they led to this. 
and I'm I'm happy it did. Because if it changed... Tell, tell me about one of <coughs> these failures or downfalls that led to this. I mean, the biggest one was definitely Beijing 2008. So why I, that was also... That also led to why how I consciously chose to love swimming. Um, so, 2004 was my first Paralympic Games in Athens. Uh, I did really well. So, the next four years, 2005 to 2008, were full-time training for me. Um, it was a, co- a conscious decision made with my coach, you know. So, it was, it was really, from the moment uh, it was go time, it was like, go, 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 go. And then, um, no time to really rest. And everything was swimming sleep, swim, eat, swim, you know. Uh, everything was really swimming. And it was a decision to do that, right? But I also didn't, at that point, understand the the concept of balance. So I definitely lacked a lot of balance there because I didn't give myself time to enjoy myself, um, to have fun. You know, all these things were not in the equation. And were I thought you a difficult person to live with at <coughs> that time? You have to ask my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I was not easy, I guess. I, I was grumpy, I was tired, I was... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. You have to ask them. Um, that will be quite interesting to find out. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was it was, uh, it was was not the most enjoyable time. I was really burnt out at some point and I was tired. and um, All because I had set my mind on a medal in Beijing. And I was like, no matter what, I'm going to get that medal. And what happened in Beijing? <laughs> Real life happened. <laughs> Reality happened. I think sometimes that's a fact, right? Like the things you want don't always come to you. And you have to... So even though you prepare or you you prep for success, you also have to get ready for failure. Because if it happens, and like I was, I was not ready to fail. Um, the, the fall was hard, you know? <coughs> um, all, all of those final moments of the race line. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> I just know that it was dread all the way to the to the race um and then the race is over i remember being afraid to turn around to look at the scoreboard just because you know the moments before you turn around it's like uh i think i've said this before somewhere like schrodinger's cat you know you, you don't open the box you don't know <laughs> so I, I just like okay, i'm not gonna turn around anything can happen <laughs> if i turn around it makes it real right so i did turn around and then i i realized i lost the bronze by uh, less than a second, um, and and four years of my life had led to that, two minutes plus, um, and I was not ready for that result. You know, uh, I thought there was no way I was gonna be out of the podium pl- placing, mm. um, but I was. You know, just by one by a touch, <coughs> and it was so devastating to me that it took me, I believe, years to really truly get over it. Um, but it was also the most important part of my journey mm. because it was the moment I had to decide where do I go from here, mm. you know? So I was thinking, okay, um, this current environment is not making me happy. I'm going to go and try and seek somewhere else. So I, I left swimming for a while. I went to powerlifting, um, which is uh, just a single maximum bench press okay. uh, in competition for para-athletes. Uh, in the Paralympic Games, they have powerlifting. <coughs> so... I did that for nine months. I did pretty well. I went for one uh, competition, I think, in Australia. Mm. And I knew that if I kept at it, I could succeed. Or at least have some semblance of success that, mm. you know, is acceptable. <laughs> um, but but that, that was, a f- uh, I guess, a, a crossroad that I was faced with, right? And I was like, okay, I'm 
I'm not ready to let go of swimming. <laughs> uh, I I want to go back. I have something inside me that says I'm not done yet. So what was the trigger? It was no real trigger. It was just really me kind of sitting and and thinking and thinking to myself. Do I want to really let go of swimming? Because I know the longer I kept that powerlifting, the harder it's gonna be to go back to swimming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was I gained like I think ten kg of muscle from that nine months. Um, in powerlifting, wow. yeah, and and I couldn't get rid. I still can't get rid of the mess. <laughs> um, and it was good and bad. Like it was, it, like I said, it was all part of the journey, right? Um, at some point, I was able to max bench press, uh, hundred twenty kg, wow. which was twice. This is twice my ba- my body weight. Yeah, so I mean, I could I could essentially do well in it. You know, I think. Um, but I knew that there was something inside me that said, no, I'm not done with swimming. You know, I need to go back to swimming. So Real calling was in the pool. Yeah, and it's really hard to rationalize it besides saying it was a feeling. <laughs> it was really just a feeling. And so I, I went back to swimming. I, um, I took some time to really enjoy the water again. Um, so when I went back to training, it was more of a <coughs> really enjoying what I was doing. Training sessions may not be two hours long. It just got to maybe an hour or slightly more than an hour. If I felt like I wanted to get out, I got out. You know, it was uh, <laughs> it was my form of healing. You know, mm. um, and then came London, London, twenty twelve, mm. uh, and the goal for me then was to enjoy what I was doing. Mm. So I went there and like I, I've said couple of times to different people i don't remember my races <laughs> <laughs> i remember the you blocked it out i remember the, the concerts <laughs> <laughs> the opening and closing ceremonies you know um but i think one thing i do remember was having a lot of fun mm. i enjoyed being in the pool i enjoyed my races as much as i can remember them <laughs> I, rem- I i enjoyed being a swimmer again yeah and i think that was uh what i needed you know so then it came to f- keep going forward, right? Um, I, w- I was prepping for Rio. And I still didn't know if I was ready to. Because as much as I want to race... This is what, eight years now? This is, at, yeah, eight years after painting. Mm-hmm. So as much as I may want to swim, if I was not good enough, <laughs> I would not be able to make it, right? So it was a, a few like uh, steps towards wanting to get to actually seriously thinking about Rio. <coughs> so... Um, the first thing that I needed was to... Because I had sustained an injury from the many years of swimming. Um, so it was just kind of uh, having to fix that first. So I did uh, shoulder surgery. Um, and then there was a lot of rehab. There was patient training. Um, and then finally getting to a point of... Uh, okay, now let's actually work on your training. On your on your strokes. And, and getting faster and faster. And power and all that stuff. Take me through that day in Rio. Wow. <laughs> Rio was so different from Beijing. <laughs> it was... Uh, it's Brazilian samba. Well, not that. <laughs> um, I mean, the atmosphere was different. Um, but it was also just a feeling, right? So, I, like I mentioned, I had dread leading up to uh, Beijing. When it came to Rio, there was a lot of excitement. There was nervousness, sure. But there was a lot of excitement and I was raring to go um it was um I, I i do remember the nervousness because months maybe a month before the race the actual race day i could not stop thinking about my race so 
every kind of um, pause or or time that I was not doing anything, my mind was filled with my hundred meter breaststroke race <laughs> and me swimming it, <laughs> and it was like a constantly looping video that I could not stop. <laughs> as much as I tried to distract myself, like it just kept going on and on and. Was there, was, was there a result in your looping video? Yes. <laughs> it was a blessing in disguise. It was something was that... was it colour? <laughs> colour? It wasn't in colour. <laughs> I don't remember. Might be... I, I don't remember. But it was It was something that I, I think it was... I wasn't sure if it was going to be a good thing or bad thing for me. But in the end, it was definitely something that I'm, I'm glad happened also. Because when I got to race day, uh, I was like, hey, I think I've swam this race a million times already. You know, I had, I had rehearsed it so many times in my head that I felt like I had swam it so many times, you know. And so when I got to race day, I was like, ah, it's going to be fine. It's just another one more swim, you know. So I do remember, like, in Beijing, I was... If I, if I recall, I, I remember watching a video of my Beijing race and I was a different person, you know. I was really... You can see the nerves on my face. You can see uh, I'm super focused and, like, uh, not really looking up into the crowd or anything. And then came Rio. If you see my race, I'm I'm happy. I'm looking up into the stands. I'm waving to my parents. Um, a whole different person, you know. And I think that's something also I figured out along the way. Like the best way I race is when I race happy, you know. And and that was truly the best race of my life. Like I've never been able. I had never been able to get as close to that timing after that. And when you reached the end and you had to look back at the I was board. ready to look back. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, tell me my timing now, right? You know, what 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 was it, you know? Uh um and I looked back and I was super happy. I was ecstatic. Like I felt like almost uh, a weight was lifted off my shoulders. Um but then you also have to th- like I also think about it as a bigger picture, right? So after that race what what came after? I'm still the same person, <laughs> you know. Nothing really, really had changed, you know. Um, I definitely don't think my medals or my successes or failures define me as a person. They make me uh, like they make up a part of me. Sure. What, what defines you? What defines me? Hmm. Constant evolution, I guess. Like, I think something that I am quite keen on is constantly changing. Mm. Um. In small ways, in big ways, like whatever change I think is necessary to become better, better and better. Mm. Um, I think that's my goal in life, you know. So let's go to another, you know, challenging part of your life. You came out about a couple of years ago, I mm. think. And coming out in Singapore is not an easy thing. Is it? I'm assuming it's not an easy thing. Uh, how easy or tough was it? Let me not assume anything. <laughs> yeah. Well... I mean, with everything, like I've said, like it, it all depends on the people around you, um, the circumstances you've gone through. And for me, like again, I feel like I'm so lucky because the people in my life who have been there for me were there for me. Um, so when I came out, I didn't actually have to come out to my family. Um, they had little inklings <laughs> along the way, uh, but they were the ones who told me that they knew. So my my mum my and dad, um, we were in the car and we went to the petrol kiosk that was uh, along the way. I don't know where we were going, <laughs> um, but we stopped and then my, my dad went out to pay and my mum turned around and she said, 
you know, Daddy and I just want you to find somebody who can take care of you. Um, doesn't matter if it's a boy or a girl. And in that moment, like that was like, I'm I'm okay. <laughs> the penny dropped. Yeah. yeah, and and I was like, I'm I'm fine. You know, like a- anything that happens, my parents are there, and I think that was all I needed. Like it was it was yeah it's all I needed that that sense of uh, comfort and affirmation that they're not they don't they don't love me any less. Do you think you could have done it without your parents? No, <laughs> definitely <laughs> not. I think uh, I I I do think I'm quite an independent person, and it's also because of them. Um, like when growing up, they've always made sure you know when I talk about environment changing and all that, like they've always made sure that the environment that surrounds me. Um, allows my independence. So, light switches, um, um, sinks, like things that I need to use daily, uh, they make sure I can access. Mm. So I don't have to ask for help, you mm. know. If I don't have to, I can do it myself. Um, and that that led to, like, that feeling of independence, right? And, and, and it's always been that way. So I think I'm an independent person, yes. But... As much as independent as I am, like I definitely could not do this if they were not there to provide that support and that sense of you can do this, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, you've, you've been very positive all along, but I, I mean, like any other person, we have good days, we have bad days. What are your bad days like? My bad days. My bad days are quite f- few, <laughs> far and few, <laughs> you know. Um, but when they do get bad, it gets quite. I get, I get down. Um, it's just a, a kind of like a cloud over my head, and and sometimes I I do put out this positive um, persona, mm. perhaps. Um, I, I'm I'm I try not to fake it. If I'm having a bad day, it will show. <laughs> um, my my parents, my the people closest to me know this. <laughs> I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Like they will know if I am not happy. <laughs> um, and 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 that's that's the thing. Like I think I I'm not I'm not the kind to say you should hide your feelings. Mm. Um, if I'm having a bad day, I'm gonna show it. You know, uh, and it's okay. Like I think it's not about having a a good day every day. Mm. It's about how do you deal when you're not having a good day. What's um, a bad day <coughs> like? What been for you? Tell me a story about it. Wow, that's hard. No? <laughs> I think I I in recent times I don't think I can think of a a, a particular bad day, but but I think like after Beijing, like I had many bad days mm. just cause of me not being happy with the person I am. Mm. Not being happy with the surroundings, with with uh, not understanding that my the result in painting didn't define me as a person. You know, I had I had seen myself after painting as a failure, mm. but I didn't see that I had done my best. You know, I did what I could, and the reality is, sometimes in sports only the top three people get medals, right? I mean, yes, the top three people get medals, and then what about the others? Doesn't mean that they're not great or good or worthy. Mm. You know, I think. Uh, that was the part that I was missing. So I had seen myself out of the people who were worthy. And because of that, I didn't see myself as a valuable person. Who or what pulled you out of that? Um, <clears throat> I think it was a mixture of the people around me who were very supportive and, and encouraging, but not overpowering. Uh, and me, myself, you know. I think it was also a lot of uh, self-reflection, a lot of uh, understanding that the failures are part of me, but they don't become me. 
you know. So it's not like I'm a failure. <laughs> you know, it's part of my life, yes, because not everybody's perfect, right? But it's not it's I'm not a failure, you know? Um I think that was something that I had to realize along the way and understand for myself and believe in myself, you know. Um and it was hard, you know, the hard the, the hard days were just kind of me not wanting to get out of bed, not wanting to do anything, <laughs> just uh lying in bed, just um being really, really sad and um and then my like people would have to come and look for me or like uh come let's go out, you know. Um but I'm a really stubborn person also. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was a mixture I think of um me and the people around me for sure. You hung up your goggles uh, last was it last year? Last September. September, October, yeah. 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 And very soon after that we had COVID and the lockdown. <laughs> How did you handle the, the lockdown? lockdown? Um, not too badly. <laughs> I think I'm a because I'm an introvert, so I think I definitely I I'm okay with spending introvert. A, no, you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I I enjoy time by myself, and I do like being at home, um, which isn't the case for a lot of people, right? I think some people. Definitely don't don't feel as don't feel as safe as I do at home, or comfortable as I do at home. Mm. But I do, and I, I enjoy being at home. I do, I like being by myself. Um, before, like I think the middle of circuit breaker, I I bought myself a, a TV monitor, <laughs> just because I knew that I was gonna be watching a lot of Netflix. <laughs> so well I, done, thank you yeah. for for uh, foresight. Mm. Um, yeah, so it wasn't so bad for me at the start, for sure, because I I was used to being by myself. Mm. Um, I think the hard part came only later when I was really starting to like, oh wait, I actually crave uh, human connection, <laughs> um, and so I, I missed my friends. Uh, during circuit breaker, we had d- done a lot of Zoom exercise um, sessions. <laughs> Uh, Zoom catch-ups. <laughs> are we all Zoomed out by now? <laughs> we are all Zoomed out. I'm Zoomed out, yeah. <laughs> it's it's just, for me, I saw it just as a need to adapt. Mm. Um, there was nothing I could do about it, right? Um, mm. So what do I do when I need to see my friends? I Zoom them, mm. you know? Um, and it's something that, I guess, whether it's the disability or my swimming, like just, just being able to adapt was uh, quite natural to me. And you've been doing that for a long time, haven't you? I think so. Yeah. Like, um, I guess one simple example is um, dealing with the physical boundaries in, in, in like life, in, in the physical plane that we're in. Uh, sometimes if I get somewhere and then I realise, oh wait, this way is blocked. What do I do? Find another way. <laughs> you know? Uh, and it's, it's no point think, thinking, oh, it's blocked then what, and then what, and then what, you know, it's just, it's blocked, go find another way, you know, uh, I don't want to waste any time, there's no point crying about it, or uh, complaining about it, and so, find another way, <laughs> and, and I think it's something that's quite na- quite natural to me. So, are you going to be doing that now in your new job? Um, I think I do, yeah. <laughs> I do that every time that I need to adapt. Um, and I, I guess there's some things that are applicable in certain, like from from swimming to to my work life, from um, living with a disability to my work life. Like there, there's always things that can be adapted or, or applied to other things. What What do you think Singapore can do more about 
including uh, people with disabilities? Um, I think as a general statement, there's a lot more that can be done um, just by just by um, I guess including more people with disabilities uh, of different types of disabilities when you are think when you're um, planning for stuff, when you're building stuff, when you're creating stuff, um, don't just think about what you think we need. Actually, ask us. <laughs> um, you know, uh, don't say, um, I think this RAM is fine. And then when we go there, like, this RAM is too steep. <laughs> or, oh, done. Did we ask like, you how your seating was before? Yeah, <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> um, but I also, like, I think just because why I say, like, various disabilities, also because even though I'm on a wheelchair, like, I'm pretty mobile and um, pretty. I, I move around pretty easily. Mm. And even if uh, I need to get off my chair, I can. Mm. So that's not something that everybody can do, you know. So I think it's it's really just about um, a diversity of uh, opinions and needs that you need to ask for. I think um, we are constantly get progressing, right? I think when it comes to accessibility in Singapore, I think we're getting better. I think I am. I, I feel like Singapore has allowed also me to be independent because of the the public transport system is pretty good. I I can go around by bus and train pretty easily. Is Singapore more accepting of uh, the LGBT community? Well, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we are we are moving. I don't know. Some days feel like we're moving backwards. Um, but we're moving. Um. Just not in the right direction. Sometimes, yeah. yes. Uh, and as I don't know, it. Why do you think this is so? I think it's uh, a fear. Mm, it's partly fear of not the unknown, fear of the future, fear of various things. I think it's just generally fear, right? Um, and then is it an irrational fear? It could be just because they think this you're different. Huh? They think you're different. Um, yeah, I think there's a fear of not not uh, a fear of non familiarity, right? Yeah. Maybe they don't know what's gonna happen if they allow human rights for people. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then then they f- they fear things that they don't know or they are not familiar with or they they don't want to know about, you know. Um, but I guess to me, it just makes sense, right? You you're creating a, a space for all your citizens to feel happy and safe. Except some people. <laughs> yeah. And then that just doesn't make sense to me because their human rights are theirs and not it won't affect anybody else's. You know, It's not like if they give them human rights, then somebody else loses their human rights. It's you not a zero-sum game. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I mean. And I think um, it just, it just uh, really perpetuates the idea that some people are less than. And I think being someone who is... Uh, a queer disabled person already I feel like I'm less than just because of my disability and then you add on the queerness and they're like oh even less than <laughs> and, and it, it really sucks you know it, uh, it it eats away sometimes at the the, val- the valuation of self and uh, am I good enough as a person and I've done all this for my country but sometimes how come I feel like they don't love me back <laughs> you know so it's it's it's, a, it's complicated and I think if we could change things we just want to make sure that um, as many people as possible are able to live their lives fully and happily um, especially when it doesn't even concern anybody else's life 
How do you think you can get people to be more accepting? Um, that's 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 a question. If I could answer, <laughs> it would be easier. But I don't really know. Um, I think it's something that they have to know for themselves. They have it has to come from within. It's not something that I can tell you, and you're like, oh, okay. No, if, if that was the case, I think it would be easy. Because <laughs> you can just say it. And then you're like, okay, fine, we'll, we'll do this or do that. But I think it's something that has to come from within. Um, empathy is something that has to come from within. I can't tell you to empathize with somebody if you don't, right? Mm. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's something that has to come from inside the person. So no easy answers. There's no easy answer, unfortunately. <laughs> if, if there were, it would have been solved a long time ago. If there was anything you could do to change the situation right now, if I gave you here, here, here's a superpower, you wow. know, and, you know, what what would you change out of all the things you could change? What would you change? Mm. Only one superpower. One superpower. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's also hard because I I would say like uh, equal rights for everybody, but then. But then, as an overthinker, <laughs> I'm like, what? What would that cause, right? Uh, would that cause any problems? Would that like? And you then w- you wouldn't ask for anything for yourself. No, I don't think I need anything. <laughs> I really don't. Like, I think I I have all I I need really, um, and anything that I need or want or deserve to get will come to me. Not even a superpower to get out of the wheelchair. No, <laughs> I really don't care about that. Uh, that's not important to me. I think um, my life is pretty pretty damn good. And I have no desire to be out of my chair, really. Um, just because I don't think it hinders me. Um, it's given me so much to live for. It's given me this this person that I am. And, and if I change that, like... It might change the person I am. I don't want that, <laughs> you know. Thank you very much, Teresa. It's been lovely talking to you. Same here. Thank you.